and welcome to Fictionality, episode 14 of Fictionality.co.uk. I'm Scott Heron. And I'm John Ferguson. And we're two guys who don't know how to make films, here to discuss the making of our own film project, Fictional Fiction. And other topics. Yes. So I guess uh, we should say hello again. It's been kind of a while. Yeah, it was... Uh... Actually, I think the, the last episodes were posted in January, but we recorded them before Christmas. Yeah, it was early January. <laughs> so... Yeah, to the audience it maybe doesn't seem like that long. There was like a big gap in ja- in December, and then there's been a big gap again. Yes, there has. But of course we never said anything about the big gap in January, because we actually recorded them in December, not realising that it, it would be a while before we managed to get them up online. Yeah, I think we'd originally said we were supposed to be coming back like mid-February, but mm-hmm. um, due to unforeseen circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> it's par- partly, I was in, uh, I was in Boston uh, visiting Lizzie, who does the... Uh, the um the film review podcasts uh, episodes that we do sometimes, so I was visiting her for a few weeks, so that was uh, had things uh, not going, and then when we got back, uh, Scott and I have been very busy at university, so we haven't really had much of a chance to do any film stuff. Yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a nightmare. Still, um, you know, we're back now. But there you go. Well, for this one week at least, <laughs> doing <laughs> on a week by week basis now, we'll see how things go. But we're back. Um. We did manage to uh, do some stuff, though. Um, well, one thing. <laughs> <laughs> we met up with uh, Jennifer McRitchie, who is uh, scoring the film. And uh, we had a talk through of the script, and um, we were discussing the kind of uh, pickups and um, musical interludes that we wanted at the various parts. Um, that went very well. I think Jen seemed to like her ideas, I think. Yeah, I think so. Naive though they were. Um, she seemed to enjoy uh, recording, and she what she has produced is quite good. Yeah, she's um, she's already um, started dabbling about with a few themes for us. Um, we're we're pretty blown away by what Jen's doing. Um, so much better than what I could have done. So we're really we're really pleased that we got Jen involved. <laughs> yeah, a nice a nice solid start that we can build on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's going well. Um, Jen was uh, on holiday for a while. There, she's back now. I don't really know how much Jen's actually done, but I'm, you know, there's no rush for Jen. We're the music will not be recorded for quite a while, so um, just interesting to see what she comes up with. Um, so I think, yeah, Jen's sort of being left thrown to devices now. I think we've done everything we can do for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Jen will keep giving us feedback and then we'll feedback on her feedback, but um, yeah. So uh, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, we were we were trying to um, get storyboards done uh, um, yeah. for for Jen for her to better see what she was scoring. And uh, we decided not to do the storyboarding for the whole film anymore because it was taking us too long. And <laughs> <laughs> I think I think um, everything we've decided so far, I mean, we knew that this would be the case, that everything would take us longer than we thought it would. Um, so, you know, we're just we're just trying to deal with that as best we can. And this, the script took way longer than was expected, obviously. That put us behind. But to be honest, we didn't actually start a production plan until the script was finished. So we were never technically behind, but we kind of yeah. knew that... We were not progressing as quickly as we'd hoped. And then the next thing was doing the storyboard and um that was just uh that was just not going quick enough. Um because we, we the one deadline that we kinda do have is that we have to start filming in the summer. Um here in, in sunny Scotland. Yeah, right. Um as if it's ever sunny here. Uh, <laughs> but there's a little bit of sun. There's like a week or two of sun. <laughs> so we want to do all our filming in that week or two. Um, so that is a kind of that's a definite deadline, and the real big problems with that are that Scott and I can't act yet, mm. so we really needed to start the acting um, 
workshops, which we started yesterday, sort of. Um, no, we did. We started them yesterday, and um, storyboarding is now not going to be something we're going to focus on heavily. We may still do storyboarding, but we're prioritising the CGI shots. Yeah, I think we'll probably use it mainly for the more complicated shots yeah, that will yeah. include CGI and stuff. I mean, we, we, we are, we're quite ambitious with the film that we actually want most of the shots to be quite complicated, but I think a lot of it may just have to be explaining to um, John Nicholson, our director, on the day yeah. <laughs> exactly what we want, because I just don't think we're going to have time to uh, plan it in as much detail as we'd hoped. I would still like to see a storyboard finished at some point. Um, yeah. Maybe even if it's like a more lo- longer term thing, like for the, the final sort of release and well yeah, ask there's, there's not really too much point in storyboarding after we've done filming but just to include as an extra <laughs> just just for the hell of it um we definitely i think there's definitely going to be cgi storyboarding done though and yeah. the very first cut of the film will probably include the storyboards instead of the cgi i'd imagine yeah um so that that will probably still happen but anyway that's that's kind of what's happening there um uh yeah what else have we been up to scott um let's see we shot uh we shot a webisode uh yesterday Mm. Um, last night, yeah, we had some some issues with that. This was um, we did shoot one episode before. You you may have seen it on the website. It was not well done. It was very quickly knocked together. Yeah. Um, we have changed a lot of things since then. One for one, that was filmed. Me and Scott sitting on my bed talking to a camera on a tripod in a quiet room with a laptop on the left quite noticeably away from the camera <laughs> with the script on it yeah <laughs> and, it was, and it was very hard for me to and scott to actually uh to, to deal with that we just didn't have it set up very well so the new plan is one we've uh, we've actually bought a better camera now that's um higher quality um incidentally the budget page has been updated for the website to reflect some of these changes however we've deleted stuff that we previously bought because it's now not going to be part of the film so we felt it was okay to delete that so another thing we'll be deleting in a minute since our sound desk is playing silly beggars today. So yeah, I don't know if we're gonna. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm just gonna get it replaced actually. But yeah, I don't know. You lose faith in the company, you know. Anyway, and also for some reason, my uh, the hard disk on my laptop failed, and I had to reinstall everything. And now the USB interface for audio desk will not work with my laptop. No idea why. We're using Scots today. That's kind of weird. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't really mind so much for this kind of stuff. Like you always bring your laptop, but yeah. I use it for NGO recording as well, and that's, you know, what we're going to do there. It's a good excuse to get a new laptop, John. Yeah, it's a good excuse to get a new laptop. I, I think we, I'm, I'm seriously starting to consider it. This laptop has been giving a lot of pain in the last couple of months. <sighs> it's not even really that old either, but... No, I really wanted to wait for at least two years, because that's, that's usually a good optimum for a laptop. If you want to, you know, be like really current with laptops, I usually wait two years, but it's been, it's only been a year and a half, and uh, the last month and a half, I've been kind of fighting with the laptop a lot. I don't think I'm, I actually don't think I'm going to get another Sony though. I think I might get a Dell or a, an Alienware. The Alienware is kind of expensive though, but the Alienware's are expensive, but they, they're they also look very really nice. really silly, I think. <laughs> well, they're very powerful. They are very powerful, yeah. But they, they they're pricey for the power though. I think you're probably better off getting an XPS laptop from Dell. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I wonder if that came through. Did you hear that laughing, guys? That was my family laughing at something. Something downstairs on TV. Don't know what that was, but they, shocking. they they it just tickled them just the right way. Um, <laughs> so uh, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, so we've got the we've got the new cameras. So that that is actually improving things. Oh a lot. wow, the new camera is amazing. So much better, um, and so much more convenient. Actually, it's a tiny little camera now. It's much smaller, and it uses memory sticks instead of DVDs, and then actually that makes things easier. And 
you you were saying it's kind of built with the same material that they made the Ibo out of. I think so. The the finish on it looks so much more professional. Like the it's a Sony, just to clarify. <clears throat> yeah, the um the last one's a Sony as well, but it still had that kind of like you know noticeably plastic finish. Like you get laptops or whatever, you know, it's still like yeah, it still feels plastic though. Whereas this one's got that kind of like really shiny plastic with the like you can see that just underneath the surface is more kind of sparkly black. You know, <laughs> um, I think the last series of Ibo kind of had that finish. So we're going to change the camera on the budget and take off. Yeah, we're taking the off the original camera. Although we may actually still use it, but it'll be for the making of, mm. not for the film. So we're taking it off the budget. Um, that actually brings up a, a brief point about when you're thinking about cameras and things and anything really. If you mm -hmm. think their project's going to take a long time, you might want to think about investing in something that's more future proof or it's going to. Yeah. And also, we would say definitely maybe don't do what we did, put off buying the camera until the last minute, actually, because the camera is actually, I mean, filming is actually one of the later aspects of a film project. Yeah. So we we ended up buying our camera early on because we thought we'd be doing a lot of these webisodes, uh, which we haven't done. And as a consequence, we've only really got one useful thing out of the original camera, I suppose, technically. Well, I, I use it for other stuff, for personal things, but in terms of the film. Mm. Uh, and one of the reasons we bought that camera early is because I needed it for personal stuff too. So and that was one of those reasons. But anyway, um, yesterday was also our first webisode that we're shooting with a green screen. Um, ah, yes. To create the illusion of not being uh, in a very small bedroom in in the middle of Baldwell. Um We're trying to create the impression that there's something a bit more professional going on. It took a little while though, didn't it, to try and sort the video out? So yeah, we've there's a lot of uh, lot of teething issues there. Um, one was that there was a lighting issue yesterday. We didn't couldn't really get it lit very well, um, which means the green screen was not a uniform green. It was sort of you know lots of shadows. We also didn't have the green screen taut, so the green screen had ruffles in it. And it was casting lots of different light levels. And um, we were coming up as super bright. So I had to adjust the the, um, the white balance on the camera and things like that. Um, so that we came out natural, but then the green screen didn't work as well. And uh, we're kind of compensating with that for that in software at the moment, just to see if we could. Um, so this maybe isn't going to be quite as good as future ones. Um, but we're actually still pretty happy with the way it's come out. It still doesn't look you know totally... It's not film quality or anything, but it's definitely TV quality, we think. Mm -hmm. I think. I don't know. They're pretty good, actually, now on TV. Yeah. it's maybe, Well, it's definitely very, very good. It's definitely as good as any podcasts that we've seen that have utilised uh, green screen, with maybe the exception of the Totally Rad Show, because they had... Uh, I know, there's quite a few of them are probably better than us, actually. actually. Yeah. <laughs> Web Alert's better than us. Lynchland's probably better than us. <laughs> we, we, we are trying, though. We're, we are we're trying. doing our best. It's, I mean, this, we're, we're still learning. We're seeing this. I mean, it's really noticeable to us, because we're watching it in high definition. Um, actually, when we shrink it down to this, the podcast size, it may pretty much look the same as theirs. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Possibly. We'll see, anyway. We're not we're not bucking about with it too much more. But anyway, hopefully, we'll have a better lighting setup next week. So, um... That episode might not be out for a while though, because um, we haven't done the intro and outro animation yet, um, which we're hoping against. So it won't take that long. <laughs> <laughs> That's our first animation project, incidentally, guys. And um, the next one will be a teaser trailer for the yep. film, um, which we hope will also not take too long to produce. Um, but it probably will. So we might end up finding that a lot of our kind of acting classes revolve around this teaser trailer being made before we actually jump in well actually the teaser trailer is um, all CGI oh that's right so it is we may have another trailer at some point um, but the original teaser trailer is all CGI um, I wouldn't expect the trailer to come out before we just start filming so like in the summer mm. um, but we're really hoping the, the first the webisodes can start coming out a bit more frequently um, 
There's been some talk of maybe replacing these podcasts with a video podcasts. Yeah, I think this is quite an interesting idea. They're kind of discussing yeah. things. We're going to do what we're going to do is we're going to have this one episode done, have the intro and outro done, so that every you know all we would need to do is just film and slap the intro outro on and put a, a green screen in. And um, we're going to do this episode and one more. We're going to see how smooth that is and how much extra time it really takes us. And if we think it's doable, we might start just doing every week we do a video um, podcast as well as webisodes. And I think what would probably happen in that instance would be the webisodes, when they happen, there won't be a video podcast that week. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're thinking. Um, I don't know how many people actually listen to this show, but, you know, if you have any thoughts, then give us some feedback. Uh, we'd like that. We think that would be kind of nicer since we're filmmakers. Maybe having the radio show doesn't make as much sense as having a TV show. So yeah, I mean, like, um, uh, did you did you mention that we feel that they'd be shorter as well if they're going to be videos? Oh yeah, they, well, I mean, um, yeah, they'd, they'd be an absolute maximum of thirty minutes yeah. with twenty minutes. Uh, incidentally, I mean, we know that these are too long anyway. Yeah, we've already been talking for about fourteen minutes, and we've really not said very much. Um, so we are going to try and kind of pull back a bit. Um, um, so, so what else are we doing um, we're, we're going to try and also get some tutorials on the website soon we're sorry about that that's been a, an addendum to all these other things being busy um, and we were thinking of maybe doing a special at some point if these video podcasts start um, to do with the uh, kind of slightly kind of taking the rip out of ourselves sort of Larry Sanders style Yeah. but we'll see how that goes we'll, uh, that, that's just a little idea we've had but anyway, moving on to uh, film news this week. Um, well, it's not this week, actually. It's film news from since December, since we yeah. last did one. But anyway, we thought we'd... First, actually, first up, well done to the writer's strike. That's all over now. Yes. They seem to more or less have won their cause, I think. We can get more of our the beloved TV and movies. Yeah. I, I admire them at the writer's strike for doing all this. I really... I mean, I know it might have been a bit of a pain for people, but I, I think they, did, they, they were doing the right thing, and it, it seems like it kind of paid off for them. Yes, absolutely. And I don't think their demands were unreasonable or anything, so... I'm I'm just happy that I'm getting my Battlestar Galactica again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting Thirty Rock again. I miss Thirty Rock. Fantastic stuff. Anyway, uh, moving on from that though, um, we're going to be talking kind of about. Well, we'll get some quick things out of the way first, right? One of the first things was there's a Star Trek thing. Um, it's James Cawley who we watched another Star Trek thing. It used to be called New Voyages. It's now called Star Trek Phase Two. Yeah. Um, James Colley, I don't know exactly what who this guy really is, but he seems to be heavily involved in making Star Trek fan films. Um, and he makes this quite cool series called uh, New Voyages with a lot of the original cast. Yeah, which um, is quite something. It's actually. very interesting. It's it's um, it's the original series taken into a what would that be? Fourth season or something? Fifth season? Uh, third. Third season. Oh dear! How many did they do? That's quite bad. I, I don't know. Really However know. many they did, it's the next season that they are making. <laughs> it's the continued themselves. voyages. They want to try and finish the five-year voyage. That's right. Continue the five years. It is actually a very good show, but they only produced like maybe four a year or something. Yeah. Um, but still, very impressive what they were doing. Absolutely. But um, this James Colley guy, he's now started another one, which it looks to us like is a film. I think. Yeah. Called Star Trek of Gods and Men. And it's got like maybe four or even five people from from Star Trek, but from, from various Star Trek series, well. yeah, from various Star Trek different series, um, um, all in this film, which is fantastic. Um, I don't know what, if James Colley is going to be in it again. He he plays Kirk in uh, Phase Two, but um, anyway, the the point is, we we heard, and actually we're not totally sure about this, but we heard that the special effects and that, or at least the CGI stuff, is done in Blender. Yeah. So we thought we kind of big that up a bit. Anyway, it's, this guy tends to do good stuff. So it's probably worth going in and having a look anyway if you're remotely into Star Trek. Mm. Uh, well, of course, me and Scott are. But, um, 
Yeah, I definitely say the the Star Trek of Gods and Men. You can tell there's a difference between the CGI, just the way they've made it in this from the other stuff. So I, yeah, it's definitely, I don't. It's definitely not the same guys. It's James Colley's involved in both, but it's definitely not the exact same team or anything like that. It's it's still quite quite impressive. Yeah. So um, check that out. That's I'm hoping that's going to progress. They've only released the first part of that. Obviously, there's going to be more. Um, so that's Star Trek Phase Two and Star Trek of Gods and Men. Yes, and um, a random little thing I noticed when I was in Boston visiting Lizzie is that uh, Tufts University in Boston, famous for medical degrees, I believe, <laughs> they have a Blender 3D design course, and it's online for free. Superb. So go and have a look at that, guys. Um, I've had a look at it. It's actually a very good course. It's well worth having a look. It's definitely something I'm going to jump into as well when I get yeah. some time. Uh, I've actually I was going through Essential Blender as well, and. Um, there's a couple of things I actually have to say I don't think quite work out in Essential Blender. Um, I'd still say buy the book anyway because most of it, it's like 95% of it is definitely very good. There's been a couple of wee things that haven't quite worked out for me, to be honest. But um, what I will say is Essential Blender has basically been folded into the official documentation wiki for Blender at wiki.blender.org. So you don't even have to buy the book. You can just well, go and... Yeah, buy the book anyway, support Blender. But, you yeah. know, um, what I was going to say is was if there's anything that isn't working out... Excuse me. The the Blender documentation on that wiki is getting really, really good now. Because um, Blender's always been a bit iffy with its documentation. I have to be honest, I've always found it a bit hard, you know. It's never quite been there. But actually, that wiki is getting really good now. And it's just getting better every day, so... Because, of course, you're going to have problems every time the version of Blender changes. That's right, yeah. Um, you get inconsistencies. There's a lot of Blender stuff going on as well. I don't know if we really want to talk too much about that. But, I mean, Blender's making leaps and bounds. Um, Project Peach is almost done. Oh yeah, some of the videos coming out from yeah, that look quite good. They're looking good. Um, and the Blender, you know, the the basic finished version of Blender that was used in Project Peach, it will be out soon. What's the Project Peach official name again? It's What's called it? Big Buck Bunny. That's right. In, um, an interesting choice for a title. Yeah, and the open source game Project Peach. No, wait a minute. No, Project Project Peach is the film. Project Apricot is the is the open source game that uh-huh. Blender's involved in, and the game is going to be based around Big Buck Bunny. Ah, okay. As well, so that should be interesting. Um, please support Blender. Please uh, buy the the movie or something. I know it was, it was Creative Commons, but you know, please support it so we can kind of, you know, we're all about putting uh, tools into the hands of people, um, and that's kind of what Blender is all about. Uh, anyway, that was just the that was the quick stuff, and we're now going into pretty you know intense things about. Oh, actually, okay, one more little quick thing. Matt Ebb, who was the um, lead artist on Elephant Stream. Mm. If you go to computerworld.com and I don't know, search for Matt Ebb and computerworld.com, there's him talking about Elephant Stream and about making open movies in general. Yep. So have, go and have a look at that. Um, is there anything else? Any quick other stuff? Is it already getting to the deep mm, stuff now? No, the rest of it's quite deep. But okay. it's all related, I think so. Okay. So the two things we're going to talk about are copyright and net neutrality. Yes. How are we doing for time? Oh, we're so pushing on. Okay, we're trying to yeah. quickly talk about these two really deep issues. <laughs> let's do copyright first that's that's easier um, we'll put an article up on the website as well yeah we'll, we'll link to a lot of stuff we're going to just whiz by really quickly um, uh, the first thing was there was this thing called um, yeah what was that article called I don't know oh, it was called history suggests copyright crusade is a lost cause um, I found this on dig I actually can't even remember it was published uh, <laughs> <laughs> But um, that was the name of the article. Um, it's going back to um, the frontier days of America, and um, even though the laws, like the laws based in America, were based on um, Britain's common ownership laws or something like that, it was like the British common law, mm-hmm. and that was how ownership was determined when America first, you know, started up. Um, 
but people were ignoring it. Like they were going into the frontier, and it was kind of like where there was no fences or anything. You know, and people would just like find a bit of land and start building on it without ever checking in case anybody owned the land already or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, a lot of people brought court cases to try and get these people off their land. And eventually, because it was so prolific that people were doing this, the courts then just ended up siding with the the people who'd stolen the land. Just kind of like, no, there's just too many people doing it. Um. And basically, it was like, it's this thing about um, intuitive copyright laws is, I think, the problem. Because copyright laws don't seem to match people's moral intuitiveness. Mm. Um, I think a good example is um, with uh, VCRs. People, you know, VCRs are totally legal. And they're for recording things from television. Yeah. That's what they're for. So people don't ever see any problem with recording something for television. Like, for instance, let's say a film came on television. People don't think there's anything wrong with recording that film and then just keeping it for all time on your VCR. There doesn't yeah. seem to be anything intuitively wrong with that. Like, it was shown on television for free. I recorded it on my VCR, which is a legal thing to do. Why can't I just keep it forever? But, of course, the actual law is you can only watch it once. You're actually only allowed to technically use a VCR if you weren't watching it in the first place, incidentally. Mm. You can watch it once or keep it for a month. Either way, you've got to delete it. Yep. So if you watch it once, you would have deleted it, and you've got up to a month to watch it, and then you would have deleted it anyway. So that's I think that's the actual laws. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the actual laws anyway. I haven't really looked this up. But um, but that doesn't seem to fit. Intuitively, people don't think about that. And certainly, most people would not think there was anything morally wrong with what they were doing. Mm. You know, other than if they were told, well, the law says you can't, they say, well, breaking the law is immoral. But if they didn't know about that law, it would never occur to them that what they were doing was immoral. Um, and we we were just kind of talking that this kind of seems to be feeding into a lot of these the problems that people are having with internet piracy, uh, which incidentally Scott and I do not advocate. We're not. I know we're we're very pro all this you know stuff that we're pro, but we're not actually pro piracy. We don't think piracy is a good thing. You know, definitely not. Um, we're absolutely not advocating anybody do piracy. We're trying to we're trying to advocate that more artists do things like Creative Commons. We're not trying to say steal from artists that choose not to. Yes. Um, one of the problems we feel though is that you know with things like music you're not really stealing from the artist, you're kind of stealing from the record company. Mm. Um, so people seem to have, there seems to be, a lot of people seem to have a moral flexibility in stealing from corporations in that they're totally okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that may kind of be true for um, the music industry in that it's really, you know, a small group of artists that make a record and then somehow all the money goes to this large record company instead of the artist who did most of the making. Um. That's definitely not true of the film industry. The film industry is a lot of people doing a lot of small jobs that makes a big product. So you can I, nobody can ever argue that that's 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 you know morally right to steal from the film industry because that's you're not stealing from a single artist. That's just not the deal. Um. So I don't know. We're not trying to promote either, but we're just kind of saying that there is this there's these issues of moral um, unintuitiveness about the kind of co- common copyright laws just now. Um. Anyway, this this article was kind of talking about it and kind of saying that they just they need to try and kind of deal with an issue that that solves these problems. And um, if you're interested in this stuff, there's a film which we don't advocate everything the film talks about, but we think it's an interesting film to watch. Is a film called Steal This Film Part One and Part Two, which you can only get via BitTorrent. Do a search. There's a Wikipedia page on it and stuff. It was produced by the Pirate Bay. Well, no. Vaguely, no. Not officially. <laughs> ah. It was produced by the um, the Noble Peers or something like that. Which is you and I. Yeah. Not literally me and John. Is the, the, League of no, the League of Noble there. Peers produced it? I think so. It was probably produced by the Pirate Bay. But officially, it was not produced by the Pirate Bay. It was produced by the League of Noble Peers. 
being that the noble peers is you and me and anyone that uses peer-to-peer. Yeah. Scott and I, of course, only use peer-to-peer for totally legitimate purposes. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, they're worth, they're worth having a look at those films. Um, they are actually very interesting. Um, even just from the point of view of actually of amateur filmmaking, to be honest, they're actually quite interesting to watch. Um, so yeah. Actually, the second one was produced a lot better as well. I yeah, it was actually. I think, I think it must have had a lot of donations between the first yeah. and the second one. It's longer, it's like twice as long. Um, uh, going just the last thing about this uh, this stuff is there was the Washington intellectual property and your living room debate um, last month, I think. Um, yes. And they were suggesting doing blanket licensing for media. So that's where you would pay for a license then be able to access any media you wanted from any source yeah it'd be kind of like a kind of like a tv license in britain yeah have i ostracized a lot of people there who knows um (laughs) in britain we have uh free view television which is the just the the, the basic television that you get which is it's like 80 channels or something now i don't know but um well it's not the bbc actually technically this is, this is all this is on well, technical levels. You have to pay a, li- a license in Britain to be allowed to own and operate a television. But that license money goes to... That license money basically goes to the BBC to fund the BBC. There's a lot of commercial channels in your in the basic Freeview systems. I say there's about 80 channels and the BBC only run, what, 10 or something? I don't know. Yeah, if that. Um, if that. Um, so, but anyway, that's, it's got a kind of, there's a kind of weird system in Britain, but it actually works very well because you have the BBC who really aren't answerable to anyone except the British people. You know they're not they're not answerable to any advertisers or things like that, so they can be pretty honest, mm. and they're quite trustworthy. And at the same point, they're not they don't they they're not allowed to make profits, so they're not about trying to do what's popular. They're just trying about doing what you know is the best thing to do. I think so. I, I always mm. like that, that we, we have that, but um, they're kind of talking about kind of extending that kind of model to the internet. I guess I think it's kind of the internet, really, isn't it? Yeah, you'd have to pay a license to be able to operate the internet. I guess. But that would allow you to kind of blanketly download whatever the hell you liked. In any film, any music, whatever. I think they're actually probably just talking about music. But anyway, you know, the idea would be you pay a license to be allowed to use it and then you've kind of got free access, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were talking about there's problems with that, obviously, because, I mean, if they put it any more than a couple of pounds, people wouldn't want to pay it. Um, we were talking about, like, Napster. I think it's, it's a £15 a month you pay for Napster, and that's unlimited music. Yeah, It's not DRM-free, but it's still unlimited music. Um, and most people don't want to do that. Partly maybe because it is DRM, I'm not sure, but... Um, you're also competing against free... You know, so yeah, like, that's right, you're competing against illegal, but free, and um, the sad truth of it is, actually, it's, by and large, it's actually, you know, I'd say, easier to do the free thing than the, the legal thing now. It's not, it's, it's not even like it's hard anymore. It's actually probably easier. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, I think there's still... Certainly Napster's you're not, well, as accessible... Well, but, keeping in mind, Napster's DRM... Yeah, that's true. You know, it's not easier in the sense that I mean, you can still only, you can only use Napster. That's not easier. You're forced to use Napster. Yeah, I suppose you're right. If you know, you're paying fifteen pounds a month to get access to, granted, all their music, but mm-hmm. you're still limited as to what you can yeah. and can't do with that. So Whereas, I mean, it's definitely. I definitely see. I mean, the particularly the BitTorrent route. I think it's it's at least as easy, if not easier now. Yeah. So I mean, that's they're trying to compete with that as well. So why would you pay money to compete with that? I don't know. It's it's, it's definitely a thorny issue, and we're not um, we're not really taking a stance on it because we're not we haven't researched enough. But um, what I do think though is the, the idea about blanket licensing. I think that actually works well for companies, but not for little artists. Mm. For instance, like you know, Mean Scott or Film. Would we ever see any money from that license? No, I think we. I don't think so. You know, we would have to register or something. Yeah, possibly, you know. know. Would Angie ever see any money? Would it cost us money to register? Is it really worth it? You know, it's it's it sounds like the kind of thing that big companies will do well and little guys won't. 
And this leads us into net neutrality. Because um, the idea that they'd come up with a solution which would enforce big content providers and push out little content providers is kind of one of the things that net neutrality is all about. Mm. Um, so, I don't know, do you want to kind of take a bit of an issue on net neutrality, Scott? What's your focus on it? Um, well, it's kind of... It's, it's kind of... It's all about... Um, well, I take it. Yeah, you, you just go <laughs> Okay, net neutrality is the idea that if um, if two people pay... Well, not two people. Let's just say I pay a certain amount of money per month to my internet service provider for a certain quality of service. Um, net neutrality is just the basic idea that if I pay for it, that's what I'll get. Yep. That's net neutrality, really, at the end of the day. Um, and the idea would be that you know nobody will get um, priority above me at certain times a day. And to one's net neutrality is already something that's not really actually happening. I mean, even now, most people, when they pay for a service, they pay for an up to some speed. Mm-hmm. You'll also notice that generally, the up speed um, is lower than your down speed. And in fact, up speeds are not increasing, whereas down speeds are. Uh-huh. Uh, frequently, it's very, most, I think up speeds have only gone up very gradually. Down speeds have gone up really dramatically. But even then, it's still only the downspeed is still only it's up to whatever download speed. You won't actually always get it. Um, so there's this problem that you're kind of paying for this, but you're not really getting it. You're getting the possibility of having it. Um, and certainly, big companies are being prioritised on the internet just now. I mean, Google, for instance, have a huge bandwidth, you know, requirement, and they pay. I mean, they pay the money for it, but they pay additional money to have priority. It's not. It's not actually that they have a certain amount of bandwidth set aside for them. It's the same bandwidth that you and I use. It's just they have priority over that bandwidth than mm. we do. So that's the issue of net neutrality. So people are, everybody is ultimately sharing bandwidth. That's kind of what it comes down to. That's how the internet works. But the idea is that if you you should be paying for a certain amount of bandwidth to be set aside rather than to be having the option of sharing it with somebody and the possibility of having that up speed. Now that might sound like a kind of stupid technical consumerist thing, but actually it has a lot of implications. Um... One of the great things about the internet is the freedom of speech aspect of it. And in fact, somebody estimated not that long ago that what, 90% of what's on the internet is user-generated content. I think it was, was it normally like 60 or something. Really? It was only 60? I thought it was higher than that. Um, I'm pretty sure it's higher than 60. I can't really remember. It was, it was in that documentary, I think. It must be higher than that because like blogs and stuff. It must be higher than 60. Anyway, well, who cares? Is. It's definitely pri- the, the majority of the, what the internet is is user-generated content now. Yeah, definitely. Rather than being big corporations or to be honest, any company really. Um, it's now just individuals posting stuff. Um, so the interesting thing about that is for really the first time in history, it is now pretty much as cheap as it could possibly be for any individual to publish something on a gigantically wide scale. So, I mean, if, if you really, if you went to, like, I mean, bad example perhaps that we're using Google, but let's say you went to Google and got an account with Blogger, mm. that will cost you nothing. And you can now publish um, a weekly article or a daily article or however often you want to do it. And that will cost you nothing to do that. And that can literally be accessed by, I can't remember how people are on the internet. I think it's 4 billion people are on the internet now. Did you, what did you say there? I think four. it's 4 billion people are on the internet. This truly, there can't be four billion people on the internet. I think there are four billion people on the internet. Really? There's only yeah. six billion people on the planet. Yeah. I think four billion have access to the internet. Wow, that's. I'm not uh, saying they have personal access to the internet. I'm just saying they have access to the internet. Okay, well, fair enough. I can believe that. 
you know, through libraries and stuff. I'm pretty, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously, I'm not saying they actually all use it. I'm just saying they have the, the, the ability to go and access the internet. I'm talking about abilities here because we're talking about publishing, you know. Oh, okay. Because it's like not everybody buys, you know, a newspaper, but everybody has the, the option to do so, if you know what I mean. Fair okay. enough. Um, so, I mean, that's huge that you have that, that kind of option there. Um, and that's great. And actually, I think that's really changed a lot of the way we look at certain things, especially the press. Um, you know, people are kind of going more and more towards social-based news sites like Dig and Reddit and arguably Delicious. I know that's technically bookmarking, but the mm. idea is that it's, it's people are posting what they're interested in. The community votes enough it's genuinely interesting. And then other people can come and see what the most popular stories are. And it's generally things that you wouldn't find in the mainstream press, but actually are genuinely very interesting to the people that use these sites. Mm. Um, they're, even, they're, they're starting to kind of pop up with more... Um, specialized ones now. Um, Scott was saying the other day there's a, there's a, a gaming social networking site. And things. Yeah, Gax, which has just started. Gax. It's just like it's like a Bebo type thing, but for online gamers. For those outside of Britain, Bebo was basically MySpace, um, or Facebook, or Facebook or whatever. Um, so it's kind of really interesting. There is this kind of like really genuine kind of social user thing on the internet, and that all kind of comes down to uploading. Um, and it's not, I mean, it's not just printed stuff. I mean, there's like people are uploading videos to YouTube or whatever. I mean, there's, there's loads of high-risk content being uploaded. There's a lot of people who run their own podcasts, the same as we do. I mean, obviously, we run our own podcast. Um, things like, you know, Scott and I weren't able to publish this film. We're largely going to be using BitTorrent to do that. Um, all these are kind of based on us being able to upload regularly and, in the case of us, large amounts of information. Mm. Um, now, I, I, the only reason I mention that is because we were talking about all media here. We're not just talking about text. You've got text, audio, and visual. And we want to be able to upload all of that. I and mean, I mean, arguably even games as well. But, you know, like any kind of publishable media, you wouldn't be able to upload that. Net neutrality is basically the idea that we wouldn't be able to because we would be, um, you know, choked out of the system. We would not be able to upload our stuff. And since the big companies would be favoured, they could actually change the shift in the content of the internet back to being, you know, corporate-generated content. Mm. And this has happened before in the past. We were, um, we were watching a really good film. Uh, what was the name of the film? Hum- um, humanity lobotomy yes go look it up on youtube humanity lobotomy um and they were actually saying things like the you know radio started out as largely user um based systems and then you know they figured out hey we can actually maybe commercialize this we can have adverts and then the fcc got involved and they kind of they made it uh no you've got to you've got to have a license you've got to have you've got to follow all these rules all of a sudden to be able to do it um same you know going back further same thing happened kind of with the printing press you know mm-hmm. um you know, it, it, it kind of went from a system where it was relatively cheap to produce this kind of stuff, and then um, the more commercial it got, you found that bigger companies were managing to squeeze out the smaller papers by having a larger focus and things like that. Um, and then you had uh, going into like you know television as well as this not not exactly the same kind of deal that kind of comes out of radio, I suppose. Um, but you know, the the concept of like people actually, you know, you, you can you can't imagine. A small group of individuals coming up with a true television station now. That's just, that's not, you know, they, they could compete with the big guys. So you need such a huge amount of financial backing to even begin a project like that. Um, and the internet could go the same way, really, is the problem. We're, we're only a step or two away from it. Um, and, you know, I don't think that's a good thing. I mean, I think somebody pointed out to me the other day that really when everything boils down to it, almost all the world's media is controlled by five companies. Yeah, pretty much. You know, if you actually trace all the this company owns that company, and actually this company has got a joint partnership with this company, and you trace it all back, it is literally 
I think is five companies pretty much control all the world's media, except for the user-generated content that is owned by the individuals. Mm. And the internet is the only way of getting that information out just now. Um, and it's very successful at it. As we say, most of the content is user-generated. But, you know, it's, it's, it's important that, the, that people have that voice um, if you ever want to disagree with anything that those five companies say. Um, so we have some links for you to check that out. There's stopbigmedia.com who are totally about this kind of stuff. And then they were actually talking recently about Comcast, who, I mean, Comcast has been getting a lot of trouble for internet throttling and they have been sabotaging BitTorrent as well. They've been sending um, corrupt data packets back to the users so that their files won't work. Yeah, highly illegal. Uh, these are accusations, incidentally. They haven't been actually um, proven of this. But they during their hearing, I think for this, um, Comcast were apparently hiring um, random people from the street to go in and fill seats so that the audience members who actually wanted in to fight the case against Comcast, or at least, you know, be informed about it, couldn't come in and cause a riot, basically. Yeah. So that's that's pretty bad. Anyway, that was, I think Stop Big Media had that story. Theuptake.org is a user-generated um, journalism site. Mm-hmm. Um, just go there, sign up, and be a journalist. It's that easy. Um, it's actually pretty good, actually. Um, the stories they've got are pretty cool. There's SaveTheInternet.com, which is a very net neutrality-focused website. Um, Moby is seems to be kind of backing that one. Yes. Who we've, we've spoken about before. He had the, the Moby Gratis website, yeah. where you can download some of his music for films, for your own use in films. Mm. Um, and you definitely take out that humanity lobotomy. Um, so, I mean, you know, we're trying to, I think we're trying to shift our focus a bit much, a wee bit to be about, you know, I mean, we're, we're very much into free speech and this idea of user-generated content. So net neutrality seems an issue that's important to us. Um, don't know if you got anything more to say. We were good discussing this a lot yesterday, actually. Yeah, no, I think you've pretty much. That's pretty much the core of it. My rambles usually cover most of our discussions. Um, I see we're kind of starting to approach forty minutes, so I guess we're, this isn't. This is probably an okay kind of time to cut this off. Yeah, we get some practice at getting some shorter ones in. Yeah, so this is hopefully this is a. These aren't too long. Forty minutes, we think, is not too bad. Hopefully, we tr- we try and fit a lot into these shows, I guess. Um, anyway, so hopefully we'll have a, a webisode out soon. Hopefully we'll have some tutorials out soon. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's everything from us this week. Um, please check out those websites. Please try and get involved. Um, I mean, there's so many ways you can get involved. Check out those websites. Even just things like supporting Creative Commons. Buy a t-shirt from creativecommons.org. Buy a t-shirt from blender.org. Just you know, just do something. Anything can help. Yeah, but pa- spread the word about um, net neutrality as well. Yeah, it's really, spread really important. The word. Definitely get people to watch that film. That's a really good film. Humanity Lobotomy. Yes. Okay, well, um, thanks for listening to the show again. Yep, thank you for tuning in. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next week. Yep. I'll uh, see you later. Stay secret, stay safe. (laughs) See ya, bye-bye. Bye.